Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday. Happy Easter weekend. Good Friday to all of you. Hope everything is well. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks for being with us this morning. And we are talking the economy because it's the first Friday of the month. And hopefully some good news on this Good Friday. We're talking with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? Good morning. I am doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. Thanks so much. Uh, So just always great to have you on to kind of break things down. So I don't know if there's a particular area where you want to get started, but we know that this morning the jobs report is out. Um, anything surprising, positive, negative, what you got for us? Well, I, I would say uh, the, the one thing that is surprising about this report is that there are no surprises. Um, this is the, the first report that we've had in quite some time where analyst expectations uh, were pretty much spot on, ever right in line with what the data shows. And so in the month of March, we rose by – um, 236,000 jobs um, of non-farm payroll jobs that were added to the economy against the expectation of 238,000. So we were off just by um, those those economists' expectations by 2,000, which is very, very marginal, very, very small. Um, the unemployment rate did edge down ever so slightly from 3.6% to 3.5%. It was more so just a mathematical move in that respect. And to highlight this, it continues to show that we have strength in an upward trend in leisure and hospitality, which is, um, which is the bread and butter uh, of our local economy here. So it, all in all, this was not a bad um, jobs report, and it wasn't necessarily a great jobs report. It was right there in, in the middle, um, which is good for several reasons. One, It kind of shows that what the Federal Reserve has been doing over the last year may be starting to work to help combat inflation. Um, We do still have approximately 1 million excess job openings that are out there um, that are are, are still available. So there is is still really a job seekers market at this moment. Um, But it feels like the, the economic engines are starting to slow down and churn in the way of, of cooling off uh, inflation in our economy, and that's something that the Federal Reserve has been, been working hard to do. Now, you say, you know, uh, you talk about job seekers, you talk about available jobs. 
are the jobs matching what the job seekers are looking for? I guess that's the question. Um, and that is always going to be a mismatch. So that's that's something that has to, you know, right now their employers are, are finding um, the staffing that they're needing, you know, in, in certain respects. There are still those openings that are there. But eventually what will happen is is those openings will diminish for one or two reasons. Uh, one, there will be new innovation, and those jobs will just siphon away and disappear. Or two, there will be um, further education or further um, skill sets that will match what the, the industry and what the market is looking for at this point in time. So what about people who actually research to see, okay, um, I'm getting out of college in four years or I'm planning on making this career change in, in a couple of years uh, and I want to research to see what the hot jobs are or the hot jobs are projected to be. Is is there a you know so that I can let's say decide okay I want to go for I'm going to study and I'm I'm going to get training in this type of career is that possible is that doable does that help at all or is that just um, you know doing research for no reason because things are, are you know volatile I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I think that definitely helps, um, and I think that's very prudent to do. And, and the earlier you do that, the, you know, the better. I, I, um, MIS, Management Information Systems, was a, a significant track at UCF back in the early 2000s, late ni- 1990s, 2000s. Um, as of now, that, de- that degree course doesn't even exist because the industry has shifted away from that. Um, a lot of that mm. information and research we can get from um, our, our colleges and, and just looking at different, you know, collegial programs that are out there and those that are, are kind of fading away. And you kind of lean and, and understand as, as to what the, uh, the industry is looking for. I know I, I've been able to participate with um, Seminole State College um, in the past as part of their de facto kind of advisory board to, to say, hey, this is what we need in the industry. This is the kind of talent that, you know, we're looking for in this area. And they've catered their programming, which all universities do and all colleges do, they cater their, their programming towards what that particular need is in the community and what that particular need is from an industry standpoint in, in that local, um, local area. So I think the more the, the more that you're able to to lean on our our local um, universities and and say listen these are what um, universities are, are are really investing in these are what you know our our businesses are telling our higher education institutions that they want to focus on and what they need I, I believe that's very prudent if we look at UCF um, the the whole hospitality school of management. School of Hospitality Management built a whole campus near I Drive. Mm-hmm. It's a whole separate campus out there, which is very, very nice. I've had a chance to tour it, um, and it caters to all levels of hospitality, um, from mm-hmm. you know room service all the way to bartending, everything. And they have full kitchens, full bars in there where where you can learn and practice and and do all of that in there. So, um, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint and understand that UCF invested tens of millions of dollars into this program 
um, to have a standalone program that's right on the front store front you know steps of one of the largest hospitality arenas in in this world, then you can understand mm-hmm. you know what the significant need and drive is in this economy. Okay. Good to know because, you know, we have people that are graduating high school and college uh, shortly, you know, so this could be part of their decision-making and and, or parents, you know, can kind of help guide kids and say, look, you know, um, let's sit down and say, you know, you like this, but maybe, you know, try that or you like this, but maybe have that as a backup plan or vice versa, you know, because, one of the things that I started to learn when I was um, going into uh, communications was that, uh, you know, maybe I should have had, let's say, a second degree. I shouldn't have been so focused. It's good to be focused. But maybe I should have had, you know, something on the side, maybe something um, in, in science or mathematics or maybe even something in, in, uh, med- in medicine, but just something on the side because what was happening too, as I was going along in, in that career, was that if you you know you had some of that expertise, you could also make yourself valuable even as a reporter if you had some expertise in medicine or science or whatever. Because that could be the, mm-hmm. if you want to call it a beat or whatever that you could cover. But then also too, um, as more people were crowding into that field, that was a good thing to do to maybe transition into a career into that secondary um, interest. So, Interesting. Yeah, good to know. So um, anyway, what uh, the jobs that uh, are, are, I guess, you know, making the most headlines right now, what are they? Uh, right now, it, you know, well, over the last, I would say, two years, it's been a lot of things that are tech-driven. So we, we're, you know, shifting to be more of a tech-driven um, society, although recently we've lost a lot of jobs in, in technology. Um, and, and we've seen a lot of layoffs in, in, in from the, the larger tech companies um, like Facebook and Google and different places of that nature. But we are still, there is still a, a huge move to utilize technology going forward um, just as we do ordinary business. So when you're thinking about technology, it's not only just the tech companies um, on the surface that are hiring, but a, a lot of the hiring is taking place with some of the support companies, um, such as cybersecurity. Um, that's very mm-hmm. technology, technologically driven and it's something that everyone needs, especially in the financial industry and the banking industry. And, and um, essentially every company uh, needs to have some sort of cybersecurity in place if they plan to be um, um, disruptive or competitive in the, in the market that we're in now. You know, if, if someone learns about a company, the first thing they're going to do is, is go to the Internet and Google and see what the company is all about and do research on it. Um, the amount of companies that are hacked on a daily basis is very, very significant. So that's why there's been a major push. And we've seen this with um, new um, degree tracks that have come out for cybersecurity and, and, and Internet security and things of that nature. So 
that that's one area that's very very hot right now, and it has the you know the the ability in many cases of being able to work remotely, um, which many of the hottest jobs right now do offer that ability. Um, additionally, you know I've seen a, a lot of things from um, the customer service standpoint to be able to to work from home and that for the supporting the airline industry or supporting the travel industry. Um, so those those are some other jobs that that are, are common available too and, and that have been, you know, very, very hot and feasible uh, for, for many people. Yeah, the work from home industry is, is kind of like, um, in some cases, the, the horse that you can't get back into the, the barn type of thing or back into Correct. the corral. Uh, there are a lot of people that have said, you know, I'm not going back to, you know, an uh, mm. in-office job. And I think there's some good and bad with that, but, um, you know, um, it works well for some people, especially if, you know, you're probably a stay-at-home parent. I, I think mm-hmm. it probably works really well for you. Um, but there are there are these uh, companies now that are requiring uh, a lot of people to come back either full-time or at least the percentage of the time has to be spent in the office. Uh, what do you see in terms of, of that trend? Uh, I, I think we're going to continue to, to kind of see where we're at, and I think that was a perfect analogy about trying to get the horse back into the barn because uh, as consumers in, in three short years and as consumers of, of labor, I should say, consumers of work, um, in three short years, you know, we've kind of changed the whole appetite in which we were taught you know, for generations. Uh, we were taught mm-hmm. that, you know, originally that, you know, you get a job, you work hard, and you stay there at that particular company um, through retirement so you can get a pension. Um, typically it was a, a Monday through Friday job or, you, you know, it may have been more come out of the Industrial Revolution. You may have been more of a, a seven-day-a-week job that uh, that was in place before. But the, the goal was to go and work. It, it was never wake up and work. So we've seen a shift from go and work to the wake up and work. And, and with that, um, we've seen a balance in, in life that's been a little bit better, as opposed to commuting across town, commuting across, um, um, spending several hours in a car. Mm-hmm. You know, employees and um, have been able to to be able to have the luxury of saving money on gas, saving money on going out to lunch because they can eat at home. Now, it stands to see what the social aspects will will generate, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now. But as of now, I don't think that it is a, um, it is a trend that we're going to shift away from without significant investment or significant incentives from employers for those employees to, to be back in work. Um, I was at a conference in, in D.C. with the NCUA, and many credit unions across this country are, um, and this was before the, the little, the, uh, the, the banking situations that we've seen, but many credit unions across this country are shifting away from having um, large, fully staffed branches um, because the need is just not there. Um, you can have maybe two or three people um, service a branch, and they're operating off of appointments. Most of the things that are taking place 
are taking place, you know, online or, you know, through a mobile app on someone's phone. And when there is a need to call in and, and speak with someone, it can be routed to a customer care center, which you really don't need that physical customer care center anymore. Many credit unions mm-hmm. are saying we're sending all of our customer care reps home, um, letting them work from home, setting them up for that. It saves on overhead. It saves on on many many things that uh, you know many expenses that companies incur. So I, I think you know in, in certain aspects, certain jobs, there is a um, a desire and a requirement for you know those to to come back to the office, such as in healthcare. Um, but even with that, um, many healthcare professionals are looking for other avenues, you know, as they're, you know, streamlining things and, and heading more so towards telemedicine or working in the insurance industry and being a uh, a medical liaison for the insurance industry. So there's a lot of, a, a lot of shifts that we're seeing right now uh, when it comes to the construct of the, the labor market. Um, so some, I think, are going to be highly sticky and, and will stick around for, for, you know, the foreseeable future. So I do have a question with regards to salary in relation to this, but we're going to talk about that when we come back. We're taking a quick break. We're here with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore. If you, well, actually, if you have questions, we can't take them on this show because we're uh, recording, but we can take them on the G's Power Hour uh, page if you message me, um, and then I can ask Paul, and maybe we can address them um, in next month's show. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break. This is G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faith, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks for being with us. By the way, today is 407 Day. And for Central Floridians, what that means is that we are going to try to find every opportunity we can to support our local businesses. This started in 2021 during the pandemic and um, with, with the efforts to get people to go to local restaurants, shop at small businesses here in the community. So please remember... You know, when you're buying a cup of coffee, uh, you know, maybe find a local coffee shop. I know one that I'm going to real soon this morning. Um, Anyway, we're here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore. And if you have questions or comments, just leave the questions or comments on the G's Power Hour Facebook page uh, as we are recording this morning. But we will get those questions to Paul. So 
one of the things that I kind of heard a little bit was that uh, employers are maybe hesitant now when it, when it comes to salary negotiations in terms of raising the salary because they're saying things like, well, because you're working from home, you don't need as much gas. You don't need as much car maintenance. You don't need uh, to uh, order food for work, you know, uh, to, to, you know, things like that. So is, is that tough to negotiate if you're trying to get a, a salary increase? Uh, I, I think with, with all salary increases, whenever you're, you're, you're you know, asking for that, um, you have to be prepared to come to the table with the value proposition that you're providing. Um, so just a, a blanket ask, you know, of course, will be met with resistance if you're just asking for more money. Um, but if you're coming to the table and saying, this is what I've provided, this is what I've done, this is what my performance has been, and I feel that the market justifies this increase, I think with that respect, then it is uh, it is more, you know, re- receptive, you know, received a little bit better. Um, there's always going to be pushback, especially if, um, if there's a, you know, work-from-home situation and, and the um, – you know, you have a thought process that, hey, you're working from home and things shouldn't be as expensive. But I think what employers look for more so nowadays is just the productivity, um, at least with some of the employers that I'm in communication with. And if they're seeing that that productivity is there, um, they're willing to pay for it. So um, it's easier to, to pay for that productivity than to try to, you know, recruit rehire and retain a new employee. Okay, good to know. By the way, when do most um, major companies, uh, um, I guess, do their budget? Because there's usually a deadline, right? When's the fiscal year? Doesn't the fiscal year end like in June? Well, with some companies, a fiscal year can end, um, you know, at different times. It can end typically at the end of a quarter. Sometimes it's, you know, intra-quarter at the end of a particular month. Most uh, most companies have a fiscal year that coincides with the calendar year just to keep things simplistic from a okay. um, taxation standpoint. And so a lot of times you'll, you'll see, it, you know, things take place at, at that time. Um, but it could vary. It, there, there could be some some you know, sway and, and give in that respect. Is there a way to find out when your company plans its budget for the next, for its next year? Uh, yeah, definitely for, you know, publicly traded companies, you'll know when they, they're having their quarterly reports or when they produce their annual reports. Um, a lot of times um, bonus season is that time shortly after, maybe a month or two after, where they are going to, uh, um, when they hand out the bonuses, you know, typically a month or two before that is when, you know, the books were trued up or closed out for that year. So that will be the, uh, a significant telltale sign um, for an employee without specifically asking, you know, HR what the fiscal year is or, or, or when that time, you know, frame ends. But um, I, I would say outside of that, you know, just asking management. 
you know, what what is that when is that time frame and, and, and how to, you know, adjust and be prepared in that respect. And the reason I'm asking because I'm thinking that's a good time to kind of plan your strategy in terms of how you're going to ask for your raise because you kind of want to get in before that uh, is finalized, that budget is finalized, correct? Correct, correct, you, you, you do. Um, and there's nothing that says that off-cycle raises are, are not given, which, you know, they are oftentimes given. Um, so that, that conversation can, you know, you don't have to wait at the full year to drive that conversation if, if your fiscal year just ended in your, your organization. But um, it is a, an advantageous time to be able, you know, to do that and at least start that conversation well before then so that you can mm-hmm. uh, kind of work your way into that budget. Okay. All right, good to know. Um you know, so I guess one of the things I want to look for, too, is uh, a lot of companies have annual reviews. So the decision by the time the review comes uh, has already been made pretty much. Uh, is there Correct. a way, uh, once you've had the review or whatever, is there a way to plead your case with a company, I guess, and I probably need to, instead of asking you, I probably need to get a career counselor to talk a little bit about, about this. But I was just going to say, is there any possibility of, um, I guess, pleading your case to, to maybe um, enhance whatever it is that you, you might get uh, um, based on the review? Yeah, and, and typically, you know, with, with most um, annual reviews, you're asked to, to rate yourself as well. And, and in that rating um, I always advise to to be very brutal and honest uh, on both respects in your rating of the company and your rating of yourself. Um, and that allows everyone to be true and, and transparent and, and have a real understanding of what the, the value proposition is from the company and what the value proposition is from that employee. Um, there is an opportunity to, to speak more, you know, to, you know, what you have done over the last year and, and, and ask for a myriad of different things outside of just race, but um, ask for, you know, credit for education, additional, you know, you know spending for education, uh, for conferences, things that will help, you know, better you as an employee to help, you know, in turn invest more into the organization in which you work for. So there's a, I know oftentimes we look at it and say, okay, we got a raise, and what was the percentage of that raise, this time around, but um, in addition to that, you know, sit down and say, you know, these are the areas, you, you know, that I really excel at, but there, there's one particular area where I feel like I may not be as solid, and that could, you know, simply be a, a technical skill such as, you know, utilizing Excel or utilizing a particular software or having a, a, a particular managerial skill. Um, and, and those are times where you can sit down and say, hey, I'm invested in this company just as much as you are. Um, but I really, really think it'll benefit me and benefit my skill set that, you know, if, if I attend this particular conference or if I pretend, uh, attend any, um, any, you know, after hours or even, you know, you know doing business hours, training or classes um, that can help hone it my skills in this particular area and in tandem, you know, allow me to be a more, you know, fruitful employee. 
um, that is often, very often, received well and, and very often um, supported um, by management because they, they want someone that's engaged. They want someone that cares about the company and that can help drive the bottom line of the company. And it's a great strategy for each employee to employ. Um, not only it puts you on a radar of growth and the mindset of, of that um, person giving you this interview or the person that's giving you um, this performance appraisal also allows you to strengthen your resume and allows you to be more um, more marketable, you know, not only within your industry but across multiple industries and allow you to grow um, more so in that respect. I'm going to go ahead and take the break because when I come back, I want to ask you about a lot of stuff that's going on overseas and what what we should be watching out for and that how that can affect us. So we're here with Paul Z. Shelton Jr. of Warwick Shore. We're talking economics and if you have questions or comments, please hit me up on G's Power Hour Facebook page as we are recording today and I will get all of that to him so that we can address it when he comes back next month. The number is five one six three eight seven one nine four four when you call next month if you can't hold your question or, or write it down. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, You may know me as Timmy G. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the architecture. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on K-Ham Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are talking the economy today with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore. We do that the first Friday of each month, usually because the jobs report comes out. And uh, if you missed the first segment, you can always save the link and listen to it again. We had some interesting uh, information on there about the jobs report and uh, what I want to ask you now, though, is what should we be wary of or questioning with regards to events overseas uh, and how it affects our economy? We still have the Russian and Ukraine war. Uh, we have uh, concerns about China and their uh, alliance with Russia. And then we've had the earthquake over in the Turkey and Syria area, and then now we have uh, more uh, an escalation of activities in the Israeli and Palestine area. And I'm sure there's other things going on. How is that affecting our economy? What should we be concerned about? 
Uh, well, geopolitical events always um, reverberate around the world, and, and, and unfortunately they're never, you know, just local to, to, to where they've taken place. Um, right now there has not been significant headline news from um, many of those events that have affected our economy. Um, those events have been tragic and, uh, you know, as kind of, I guess, the de facto big brother of the global community, the United States always steps up and, and does what it can to, uh, to to provide humanitarian aid whenever there are significant issues or, or, or geopolitical issues that, are, that arise. Um, so, you know, while we still have significant geopolitical events that are that are out there and that are taking place, none of them, as of now, have caused uh, um, significant angst or fear. Or there's there's really nothing that has driven the headlines over you know the last month outside of our borders that has caused um, a, a significant change in valuation or a significant change in in our economic landscape. Um, everything that you know we've we've seen recently has been brought on um, just within the U.S. Um, there were some some issues with you know uh, banks in in Europe as well um, that really did not affect us as much. Um, there was some headline risk surrounding that, um, but really more so of, of the fear and capitulation that was out there was predicated on the U.S.-based banks, uh, which was Signature Bank, SVB. And then some of the other, you know, the banks in, in that respect. So from that standpoint, you know, the geopolitical risks are, are always there, and those are things that we always keep our eyes on, and um, and we kind of understand that the the world around us and the world including us is is always um, very very unstable. Um, but at the same time, we have to do what we can to to try to maintain um, a, a sense of stability. And um, that that record for for U.S. based investors. So that's good news in the way that none of that stuff is affecting us at least immediately right now. But what is affecting us? Are you mentioned the banks? Uh, there's concerns, oh, residual with can't talk. Sorry, residual concerns about uh, the banking industry. Uh, even whether it has stabilized or not, it just kind of, I think, triggered, you know, more thinking about the stabilization of that banking industry uh, and what to do with our money. And then you still have the the Fed hikes that people are uh, – <laughs> some people are pleased with, some people aren't. You know, is it? I'm wondering if they're really necessary and are they doing their job. So, can you comment on those things? Yeah, uh, those, those Fed hikes are anticipated to to last through May, and then more than likely we may start to see a downshift in the Fed's position um, with with those rate hikes. And and today's jobs number could play into that um, really significantly. Um, this jobs number, as I mentioned before, was not. Um, a, a very hot jobs number. It didn't show an overshoot of new jobs coming into the economy. So it appears that um, new jobs are, are starting to slow down. We are at a healthy rate of unemployment in this con- in this country right now from an economic standpoint. 
Um, any more overshoot from where we are now just really drives the fact that inflation may be out of control. So with that being the case, um, the Federal Reserve does not have um, many reasons to hang its hat on further uh, monetary tightening. Um, it is anticipated to, to get to somewhere between 4.94% or 5% on the federal funds rate, and that's the, the rate that you know banks are charged when they borrow from the Federal Reserve. Um, but it's anticipated also that on the second half of this year, we'll start to see that rate come down, and we start to see some of those pressures alleviate when it comes to the federal funds rate, and that we could potentially see you know, maybe two or three rate cuts, which is a totally different um, position that we're in right now as we're seeing rate hikes. Um, so if we do see that a scenario of, of that nature play out, um, it's very possible that we'll see more um, or more advantageous interest rates when it comes to mortgages, more advantageous interest rates when it comes to to car loans and, and things of that nature, and it's very possible um, could we see a soft landing in this economy and, and kind of skirt our way around actually having a full-on recession, but just have the, the economy slow down to a uh, palatable level. So, you know, what the Federal Reserve is doing right now is a, is a very delicate dance. It, it is surgery on the wing of a butterfly. So it's hard to really quantify and measure where we will go from here, but it's very likely that we will see, um, based on the numbers that we've seen coming out of the, the March jobs report, now there's still economic data that is going to be coming forth, and there will be you know, information for the month of April and the month of May that could change all of this. But it's very, very possible that um, we will see lower interest rates a year from now as opposed to interest rates at this current level. All right. So uh, now the housing market, that's a whole other story. That's, uh, there's so many factors, including but not – solely on the rates so that's that's a whole nother arena uh you know supply and demand is one thing and and there's there's other things you know the the hike with insurance that's a whole nother thing so there's a lot to be considered with that so that's another another topic for another time but um i wanted to ask you also about uh you know the the other things that may be causing i guess the, the tightening in, in terms of, uh, you know, available income and being able to, to do certain things, you know, that I, you know, I heard somebody talk a bit about, you know, egg prices today. We're talking about egg prices, we're talking about milk prices, we're talking about gas prices and all of those types of, of increases. How do we deal with those things squeezing out dollars that are not necessarily increasing at the same rate pretty much? Um, do you have suggestions? Yeah, um, it, it really causes a lot of uh, um, internal and a lot of, when I say internal, is, is household-specific balance sheet management. Um, you have to really look at, you know, those things that are important for your family and, and say, hey, how important is eggs, you know, for us? I mean, how important is it for us to, 
to have eggs every every day with breakfast, or you know, do we bake a lot of cakes? And is it an input factor for a lot of things that we need, or is it not really used as an input factor in in the kitchen for us? And, and can we go, you know, potentially without having eggs um, this week, or go a week or two weeks without having eggs, just to kind of control, you know, that that expense from that standpoint. And, and oftentimes those dollars are shifted. Um, and, and other respects to, to other areas uh, of the grocery bill or other areas of expenses in the home, um, especially if you have kids and, and they want to participate in sports. Everything has been inflated. Um, the cost of field trips have been inflated. There's a, a, a significant change that's being seen across the, the full spectrum. Um, so it, it really just comes in. To a point where you know each household has to to manage um, the, their own individual expectations and, and what's best for them uh, when it comes to um, those expenses. Unfortunately, it sounds like one of those cases where people you know, that you hear on the news and you hear people talk about, I have to decide between food and medicine. You know, it's it's just awful. Um, and, but but this is one of those cases too, where um, like we talk about uh, people having to, uh, you know, I guess buy cheap food or whatever. That's not necessarily healthier food. And even Correct. the cheap food, like for example, fast food and everything, the cheap fast food has even gone up tremendously. Yeah. You know, you used to be able to get maybe a meal, you know, a cheap meal, <laughs> fast food, maybe for $5. And that same meal has almost gone up double, it seems to me, you know, and it's still Correct. not healthy. So it's a matter of, yeah. you know, maybe trying to do meal plans, at, like you were saying, at home, you know, doing more but more of the, the meal planning at home. But then at the same time, people need a break, Okay. So people need to at least, uh, my husband and I, we went um, last weekend over to St. Petersburg. One of my uh, cousins was having a retirement celebration. And, you know, we normally we would have stayed a weekend, but we stayed overnight because I'm like, you know, we don't need to be getting back on the road really late, you know, with the the crazies (laughs) on the road, you know, at night. So we just stayed overnight, you know, so. But that just that little overnight stay provided somewhat of a reset, and I think people need to kind of figure out how do I plan for maybe just a short, brief, inexpensive reset. So that, because my mental health and, and my you know my stress level and all that kind of stuff re- requires as much attention as the household budget. So. Mm-hmm. Where do we start in terms of, let's say, you know, you know, it's already April, but maybe you want to plan a getaway, and so maybe planning a late summer, early fall getaway. Where do you start in terms of making that type of plan? Because you, maybe you haven't started, and you really haven't thought about it in the midst of everything else that's going on, but, but you do need it. So where do you start? Yeah, so uh, it's just one of those things, just, you know, starting with looking at the budget itself and 
understanding, you know, what resources are available and, and um, you know, what you're, where you're trying to go and, and how, how, you know, realistic it is. I, I like that example that you gave um, uh, of you and your husband, you know, traveling over to the coast and, and, you know, the number of days you stay in and, and those are all factors that you're considering. And, and those are the same that is true for, for all of us. And I think for everyone, it, you know, this is a time where you really have to, and 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 not, and also not just, you know, in the in the time and season we are in now, um, because of potential um, economic shifts that could take place in in the market, but just overall, I think it's a, it's a very prudent prudent way to to live and understand how those those resources interact and interchange with your your monthly expenses and obligations. And being able to to truly truly say, hey, is this something that we can afford? Is this a trip that we should take now, or should we not take it now? Or if if we take this trip, then we know that for the next two years we won't take a trip, or whatever the case may be. So you know, right. there is a, a lot of different factors to 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 weigh into that and. And, and understand and from there, and, and also you know look at potentially you know what money can you put away on on a regular you know basis. Uh, what sacrifices can be made, whether it's, it's going out to eat, like we just talked about, uh, you know that trip out to eat, which typically used to be you know maybe twenty five dollars, is now roughly fifty or more. You know, mm-hmm. can we eliminate one of those dinners and um, and be able to just, you know, eat, eat at home and, and take that $50 that we would have spent, put into a jar towards that vacation fund. So there's, you know, various different ways, I, I guess, that, you know, we should look at it to, to try to try to siphon out, you know, the best opportunity. So this is where things like um, that, that could play a role that could benefit and, and you have to kind of, look at what you're saving along the way because a lot of times, uh, you know, we do certain things and we save money, but then we take that money and go ahead and we spend it. And this may be a way of, you know, stocking some money back, like looking at, uh, uh, you know, cashback apps or spending apps at uh, BOGOs, buy one, get one, or, you know, type of deals and stuff like that, which, I kind of already normally do, but now, you know, it's like, okay, this is kind of crucial and how can I, how can I really benefit from this now? Um, So I think this is where you kind of have to re-strategize on your spending and kind of look and listen, you know, and maybe get the family involved, you know, like, okay, I need you to kind of um, monitor and see, okay, are there any, you know, travel deals, you know, coming up? Uh, any, any last-minute travel deals, any travel deals in the future coming up uh, that we can look at, you know, how do we want to change and maybe not fly but maybe do a road trip or something like that? Um, do we want to maybe instead of, you know, staying in an expensive hotel, this is where you may, maybe you look at the, uh, was it uh, Airbnb or something like that? You know, just kind mm-hmm. of maybe re-strategize, you know, how how to take that trip um, and, and, and just you know, other ways to say for maybe staycations, you know, what what do you do at a staycation and get creative, you know, so that just get the family involved in terms of doing research and assign maybe little projects. So, 
But we're going to take our final break. We are here with Paul Z. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore, and we're not taking calls today because we are recording, but if you have questions or comments, please hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. G's Power Hour, I never had it so good entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And please remember, it's 407 Day. But just because we have 407 Day here in Central Florida does not mean that you can't do the same thing wherever you are. It's It's a good time to support a local business, you know, when you're getting that cup of coffee, you know, or you're grabbing lunch or whatever instead of going to that chain restaurant, and, and I think they'll be okay if you just didn't come for one day, um, you know, but, you know, try to support a local business and, and uh, help out. And also, too, just to let you know, I'm going to give this example uh, before I, I bring Paul back in. Um, check, like I said, just different um, apps or websites, like, for example, I'm going to give this example. I go to a coffee shop, Birchwood, in Apopka. It's a small business. And uh, the owner did not know that apparently you could go to Groupon, and I don't know, she says she's going to check in to see how it happens or whatever, but you can get cash back for going to Birchwood if you sign up. Um, they have several cash, cash back options uh, for you to claim on Groupon for certain places that you like to go. So she's not sure how it's happening. We're checking into it, but it's something to check into because usually the stuff on Groupon I have found to be uh, reputable. So just just a thought. But um, anyway, what kind of things should we be looking out for with our economy over the next month or so, Paul? Yeah, I think that we should keep a close eye on the um, – the jobs front, you know, and see if, if we have a continuing trend from what we see um, today that has taken place uh, with, uh, 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 I guess, uh, not so many jobs being added to the community, uh, to the economy where it seems like we're, we're slowing down and, and that pace of hiring new jobs. Um, that will be very, very good to, to, to note um, because that will give us a true lead into what the Federal Reserve is posturing and what their positioning could be um, coming up in, in their upcoming meetings and how they're going to address monetary policy. So I think that would be the, the, the major thing to really to look for is um, understanding, you know, what the job status is going to look like for the month of April um, and understanding that we're getting into a season, you know, when that data comes out, we'll be in graduation season in, in May. 
and we'll have a fresh new um, fresh new uh, supply of an employees that will hit the market and and what will the market look like as as they're coming into um, this employment landscape so I, I think that's something that we should definitely keep an eye on it'll give us a, a read as to potentially what the summer uh, real estate industry may look like in, in some respects if, if rates go down um, a little bit I think we're going to see some more transacting that's going to take place um, we didn't see transacting significantly fall off the cliff as rates rose um, in, in the, over the last month and change so we, we're still seeing some some action in the real estate market and I think that's going to continue to uh, to transpire as as we move um, throughout the rest of the year, especially if we're um, in a situation where we don't see a, a, a recession and we're in a situation where uh, the Federal Reserve is, is pulling back on this tight monetary policy. So those, those are the things that I'll be looking out for over the next month. And just to let you know, um, if you haven't shopped the housing market in a while, um, and you're getting back out there, uh, just to let you know, it's the, the what you got for, let's say, $250,000 a few years ago uh, or even last year is not what you're going to get. Uh, I just don't want you to be surprised. Um, there's a lot of changes out there, and then like I, like I mentioned, too, there are other factors to consider that you have to add on to, you know, taxes, but not just taxes, the um, increase in, in insurance when you're making those calculations in terms of what you can afford as a monthly payment. Um, and also, too, if you're transitioning, let's say, from an apartment to uh, purchasing a house, some of the expenses that may have been included in, in your cost for an apartment, such as um, cable, maybe, maybe they paid for cable. Uh, maybe they included, you know, some things like your, your water bill or maybe part of your electric bill. Those are all on you. Yeah, so uh, you do have to sit down and kind of budget to see. And, and I am a proponent of home ownership, so I'm not trying to talk anyone out of it. I'm just saying that the dream home may not be the first home or the dream home may not be the next home. The next home, though, however, or the first home, however, could be, an investment. Am I correct, Paul? That's correct. Very correct. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You know, we've seen a significant change, um, inflation all across the board, and, and that um, the real estate industry has not been immune to that. And um, this is an opportunity right now, potentially, for this first home, your first home, to be your, your investment home and uh, allow you to have that, that foundation to build upon for that dream home. Yeah, so I just wanted to talk that toss it out there because you know I don't want people to get out there and, and get disappointed and say and think that there's nothing for them. It, you know, there may be something out there for you. It just not may not be exactly what you pictured, but maybe it's the step, the first step to getting toward what it is that you actually want. And maybe by the time you get to purchase what you actually really really want. Uh, that maybe things will have calmed down in the housing market for you. So just wanted to put that out there. So anyway, in, while you're trying to make all these plans, though, 
you may want to get an advisor like Paul to help you make some of these decisions. Just saying. So anyway, how can people get in contact with you, Paul, while they're they're making their plans? Yes, you can reach us, Warwickshore Advisors, um, on all social media under that tag, Warwickshore Advisors. And you can also um, email us, contact us at investments with an S, that's investments with an S, at Warwickshore, W-A-R-W-I-C-K-S-H-O-R-E.com. Cool. And we will post this information on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. And like I said, remember, too, it is um, 407 day. Uh, small businesses really do drive local economies a lot, so you may want to do that. I had one question, Paul, that I missed, and, and I know we don't have that much time, but uh, we talked about uh, you know businesses and, and salaries and everything. If you own a small business, how do you figure out what your salary should be? Yeah, that's a um, that's called owner's distribution. So there's a lot that goes in, into that um, when you're looking at, you know, what your profitability is, what you're looking at, what your peers are doing, and, and there's several, several different matrix that can go into that. Oftentimes you can uh, work with a, a CPA or your tax professional and help determine what your um, excess is, you know, whether it's on an annual basis, monthly basis, or whatever the case may be, and then that draw can be given to you. And then it's also a concept. Conceptually, you can look at, you know, how do you want the business to grow? And um, do you pay yourself a salary now, or do you you let the business grow? And, and oftentimes those are competing uh, agendas. So those are it's – a, it's a very, you know, um, very delicate thing. Um, there's many ways to do it. Also looking at the structure of the entity, whether it's S Corp or LLC, um, could de- determine, you know, how that that works out. So um, unfortunately, it's not a straightforward answer on that. There's a lot of different, you know, caveats, a lot of different things to consider. Um, but it is um, it is something that I think all, you know, entrepreneurs get to that point eventually and and have to answer that question as to, you know, how do I pay myself or, you know, how do we grow at the same time? And, and it's, uh, I would say there's a sweet spot that's there, but it could be different, you know, based on the industry and based on um, the particular individuals. Paul, you and your family and friends have a happy Easter weekend. Thanks. You too. Have a great Easter. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Happy Easter weekend, everyone. Be well, be safe, be blessed. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. Be well.